Welcome to Family Life Today, brought to you with the compliments of this station and power to change. We're always encouraged to receive your feedback and comments on the program, but I'll tell you how you can do that at the conclusion. But now, here are your Family Life Today presenters, Dave and Ann Wilson. One of the things I would do every football season when I was coaching high school football. Are we going to talk about football again? Yeah, let's talk about football. Let's talk about cover two now. Uh, when I would do chapel, you know, at Rochester Adams, a public high school, so I get the every Thursday night uh, before our team meal, have 50, 60 young boys in our classroom, mm-hmm. and I get to talk to them about the gospel. It was like, wow, what an opportunity. But every season, early in the season, I would ask the boys – Let's talk about what a man is. Who in here can tell me what a man is? And I'd literally ask for feedback. What'd they say? Hardly ever did they give me an answer. They would look at me like, uh, and they stumbled around. And you realize none of these boys know. Hmm. Nobody's really ever defined it. And it was a perfect open door. So I said, you know what? That's what we're going to talk about for the next several weeks. Let's walk through what God designed men to be. And I think I would guess it could be a similar question for women. Hmm. Well, I'm thinking back on those days and the years that you've had young men and now men come up to you and say, Mr. Wilson, like those chapels changed me. Not just on how to become a man. You're but, making me feel good No, right but to become a godly man. Like they didn't know that God was in that equation. Yeah, and I think the question of what a man and a woman is from the Creator is a question we all need to know. Not only how to answer it, how to live it. So we've got, in this culture. We've got Kevin DeYoung back in the studio with us today. If anybody can talk about this topic, Kevin, you're the guy. Welcome well, back. that's a lot of pressure. We'll try. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you've written a book called Men and Women in the Church, a short biblical practical introduction uh, to this very topic. I mean, it's yeah. it's about in the church, but it's also a definition of manhood and womanhood, a mm-hmm. biblical understanding of that as a pastor, as a father of nine kids. You've got boys and girls living in your home. So, I mean, obviously, this is a major issue for you as a man, but as a pastor and a leader of men and women, where do you start when you say, okay, let's help people understand what God the Creator designed when he uniquely designed male and female differently? It is such an important question. You see it from the very beginning. We're so used to the story, we have to step back and think, well, why did God make it this way? Hmm. He could have made a whole sea of people, or he could have made a bunch of men, a bunch of women, or he wouldn't have had to make sex, gender at all. But he did. Because it shows forth his design, his glory, his beauty in making male and female from the very beginning. And I don't think it's an exaggeration to say there's probably never been a time in our history where we've been more confused in this country and all over the Western world about what manhood and womanhood are. And are they even things? Should we even be talking about those things? And the question I always come back to is a very practical one. What do we say if one of my boys comes to me and says, Daddy, what does it mean to be a man? Right. A girl comes to her, Mommy, what does it mean for me to grow up and to be a woman? And our world has 
Well, I was going to say they have no answers. Actually, they have an answer, which is that's nothing, (laughs) nothing, or it's Mm. whatever your expressive individualism tells you. But we can't just fall back on stereotypes that, well, to be a man, you're going to have, you know, a Stetson hat and you're going (laughs) to go out and hunt and fish things. And no, and to be a woman is going to look a certain way and have a certain way of carrying yourself. But there are patterns in Scripture that have to do with how we present ourselves with the bodies God has given to us, the fact that to be a man is to be the being who can sire children, and to be a woman is to be the being that God created to incubate human life. So if we start calling birthing persons, we are in trouble, because to be a woman is to be something precious that God has made. You nurture human life. So to be a a man and a woman is, first of all, to have those unique biological realities that when a man and a woman uniquely come together in a one flesh union, it's the sort of union from which children can be produced. And that's really important to say from the outset. So we realize that sex and gender are inextricably linked in God's eye. Our world says No, sex is, you know, just a biology thing you get assigned, and gender is whatever you choose to be and you want to be. But God's Word tells us, no, those two things inextricably are linked. Now, of course, you know, there are going to be people listening to this who say, yeah, well, I, I love my daughter, and she loves Jesus, and she wears a baseball hat, and she loves to go and play outside with the boys, and I got a son, and he's happy to play house with his sister. And so there are going to be different ways that boys and girls show their masculinity and femininity. And we want to be careful not to fall into rigid stereotypes. And yet at the same time, there is something in the Bible that's pointing us in a direction. I'll just give one example, then let you guys correct me if I'm wrong. But (laughs) in First Thessalonians, Paul uses these two analogies in one chapter. First, he says about himself and his companions, gospel workers, that we were gentle among you like a nursing mother. Mm. So that's interesting because Paul's not afraid to use a feminine metaphor for himself. Gentleness is not just a mom thing, but telling that in his mind, he thinks, what's the picture of tender gentleness? Mm. It's a mom with an infant. And then later in the same chapter, he says, we exhorted you like a father. Mm. And so in his mind, to think of direction, exhortation, discipline is to think of something that is masculine. Again, it's not that a woman can't do one and a man can't do the other. But in God's mind, as he inspired Paul to write that, there is something distinctively feminine and distinctively masculine about those two roles about those what we lean into and what we're trying to show with our life that will show itself most plainly in marriage but even in the rest of life there's a way to be a man to be a woman Mm. so as you father both sons and daughters yeah five boys four girls which is craziness i can't imagine your house this is why we said he's the one that could answer no it is crazy (laughs) it is uh you you should check back in years was it somebody said i once had 
um, no kids and six parenting theories, and now <laughs> I have six kids and no theories. Exactly. Yeah, that's us. Exactly. Well, as you think about, okay, they're different, not just sure. female, male, but they're different even as girls and boys. As they are being raised by you, what are you saying to them about what a man looks like and a woman looks like? Yeah, so my oldest daughter is a strong 14-year-old young woman, and she will make her opinions known. She's a leader. Yeah, yeah. She, she really is. She mm-hmm. has a, a, a gaggle of friends are around her, and she's happy to direct the younger siblings what to do, <laughs> or maybe even her older siblings what to do. And I don't want to take anything away from her. We've, I've had that talk with her, and I said, you are strong, and that's good. Mm. Now, how do we use this? And so part of being, growing up into a, a godly young woman, is you know, most importantly, following Christ, being made in God's image, um, wanting to grow in godliness as all of us do. But it also means there's a certain, what is she striving after? Part of that is an openness to marriage and to children. Many years later, we hope, many years later, the boys stay away for now. But, <laughs> you know, the sort of way that she would want to love and support her husband. As I see in the in the scriptures, this is just generalizing, summarizing a lot of biblical truth. But I put it like this, that the Bible is directed towards women as wanting to pursue a true beauty. And the Bible speaks to men pursuing a true strength. Now, where do I get that from? I get that. Think about all the, the places where it's giving women instruction on, on what to wear, uh, don't let your adorning be with, you know, fancy clothes and let it be the godly spirit. It's speaking to something that generally women are wired for a sense of beauty. And God doesn't say, shame on you for wanting to be beautiful. Mm. In fact, Sarah, Rebecca, Rachel, all of these matriarchs were all noted for their beauty. So that's good. But what God does is redirect that and say, I know you want to be beautiful. What does godly beauty look like for a woman it's this character it's this demeanor and on the other hand paul says in first corinthians 16 act like men and he says it to the whole church but he uses that strong language and dritsomai in the in the greek act like men because that's a to have courage and strength is a particularly masculine virtue and why is it that many men not all but many men are wanting to watch different movies, they're following sports, they're competitive because they want to show strength. They want to show accomplishment. And God doesn't say, shame on you for wanting that. That's all bad. How could you like war movies? How could you like sports? He says, okay, let's take that, your desire, and let me direct that to a true godly strength. So that's sort of where I start with my, let's talk about what true beauty and let's talk about yeah, true strength. Let me, let me go back to that because, I mean, I look at that and think, yes, I'm thinking of myself growing up thinking, yeah, I loved that aspect of beauty and the character, but my favorite movie is Gladiator, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so I think some women are thinking, oh, I, I want to change the world. I want to set this world on fire for Jesus. Right. And maybe there's a young woman that's thinking, and I'm I'm not looking into marriage right now. Can I do that? And will God bless that? And am I okay if I pursue Jesus and I'm not 
married or have children? Well, we certainly we serve a savior who was never married, never had mm-hmm. sex. So contrary to what our world says, which is your sexuality is your identity, we see what true humanity looks like in Christ. And Paul famously said that he was committed to serving the Lord with such singular passion that he was going to set aside marriage. So, yes, we want to say to all singles, you are not second-class citizens. Mm -hmm. The church does struggle sometimes to be geared for singles. Sometimes we do family and couple stuff and kids stuff, and we can forget about singles. So that's to our detriment. If Jesus was single, then it is a high calling. So, yes, at the same time, most people at some point will be married. And if they are, as Christians, I believe they should be open before the Lord to having children. Children are always seen as a blessing in Scripture. You never find where somebody uh, is having children and, oh, my life is over. <laughs> Even if it's the ninth one, yes, they're burdens. <laughs> We're but saying it is hard. But, it is hard, yeah. but there's an openness and a desire and a willingness to see it as a blessing. The Bible is wiser than we think, and it gives us prescriptions in some areas, like Ephesians 5. It says, wives submit to your husbands, and husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. So there's specific commands, but then there's there's certain patterns, and that means that the Bible is not going to give us 50 rules to live by. There's lots of more than 50 commands, but it's not going to tell us here's exactly what it looks like and what your next step is. So to the the godly woman out there who says, yeah, if uh, I'm, I'm open to being married and, but man, I got passions and I got dreams and I'm not waiting around for Mr. Right to come. Amen. We want, we want men and women who are passionate to serve Jesus. So, Following these patterns and these prescriptions in Scripture does not tell us, to give another P word, that you have to have a a specific personality to do it. You can have a different personality and still embrace this as your expression of godly manhood and womanhood. Okay, so talk about this. You mentioned it earlier, gender sex. Yeah. We live in a world, and I'm sure there's some parents listening Let's say my daughter says she's a boy or my son says he's a girl. What would you say to that parent? How do they walk with their son or daughter through that? One, we need to realize that there is something of a copycat effect that sounds pejorative. But what I mean is I forget the exact number, but the number of young people identifying as transgender has increased something like 2000 percent in the last 10 years. I mean, it's just astronomical, which means it's not in most cases driven by some physiological. When you go through puberty, you're confused about a lot of things. And our world gives us certain ways that you can be confused. And so here's one that has been very uncommon, not unheard of, but uncommon, which has become much more common. Mm -hmm. So any parents out there, the first thing is don't freak out. You're surprised. God wasn't surprised. It's not the end of the world. It's not the end of your relationship. It's not the end of your child's walk with the Lord. And this may be something that is a real multi-year long struggle, or it could be something that is 
hey, I'm sort of experimenting and I see that people get attention for this and I got a friend who does it and it looks kind of interesting to me. And so you need to be patient and talk through it. Now, when you you do all of that good, loving parenting thing and you get to talk about how the Bible shapes us, you see that from the very beginning, there is a binary. There is. There's male and female. Transgender or gender dysphoria is an internal subjective sense of one's identity. So presuming you're talking to a friend or a child who has this sense of their identity, you want to say, well, God gave two genders, male and female, and he gave us these bodies for a reason. And he says one of the most countercultural verses in all the Bible, I think, is when Paul says, glorify God with your bodies. Hmm. Our bodies are not incidental to who we are. Right. God invented bodies. God came to earth and took on a human body. So bodies are good, and God gives them to us for a reason. Paul in 1 Corinthians 11 does this complicated argument about head coverings. Okay, yeah, we're going to go there. So there's some culture at play there because head coverings signified a certain thing about you were a loose woman or something, which it doesn't in our day. But the important point in 1 Corinthians 11 is Paul says – It's a disgrace when a man dresses as a woman or a woman dresses as a man. Why? Because God has made us with a certain design, and it's his design, and it's a good design, and it's meant to be lived out for his beauty and his glory. Mm -hmm. And when we confuse those things, now we may be confused, and that's okay. God walks with us, and we need patient people to walk with us when we're confused. But if we were to embrace that confusion as a good thing, God says it's, it's not a good thing. I didn't give you your body by accident. Hmm. So we need to bring it back to a question about God and his word and whether we trust in him. Hmm. If you could answer, I'll give you more than one word. When a man is flourishing, he is what? And I'm going to do the same thing with women. So. Okay. When a man is flourishing, he is following hard after Christ. He is laying down his life for other people. And he is finding strength and joy in the Lord. Same thing for a woman. When a woman is flourishing, you're going to give me three. You're a preacher. I, I am, yeah. <laughs> when a woman is flourishing, she is following hard after Christ. She is flourishing in an atmosphere in a circle of protection and blessing and she is serving others that they might know Jesus better Hmm. and see him reflected in her life and her relationships with others. Yeah, it's interesting as you hear that the similarities that, that comes over. Years ago at our church, I created this whole man sort of code uh, definition of what a real man was, taking the word R-E-A-L, and saying, we always say, I want to be a real man, and we don't know what a real man is, so I created these four sort of pillars. And I preached it for years. We did men's retreats, and, man, it became this, like, movement. Yeah, I want to be a real yeah. man, R-E-A-L. Initially, I didn't realize it, but about five or six years later, I'm like, uh, every one of those pillars are true about women. They were different but also women were called, because most of them were about walking with Jesus and, right. and showing strength in Jesus. But I thought there's similarities, but there's definitely a distinct calling of men, calling of women. It's 
I guess unique is the word. God has designed us mm-hmm. to be men and women and to flourish. And when we flourish in a, and we complement one another as partnership in that, the gospel is seen. Because God made us this way. I keep coming back to that. God mm-hmm. does not call us to follow him as androgynous mm-hmm. human beings. Now, I'm more than a man, more than a man, and more than a woman, and yet my calling to follow Jesus is always as a calling to follow him as a man. Mm. And a woman is a calling to follow Christ as a woman. That's how he made us. He didn't have to make us that. I mean, right. he could have you know, made it some other kind of world, but that's the way he wanted to do it. And it must be that there's something in there that shows forth the image of God, that shows forth the creativity, the glory of God. And then in marriage in particular, men and women fulfilling that creation mandate. This sexual differentiation is God's idea. Yes, it gets messed up. It gets stereotyped. But if we keep coming back to this sexual differentiation is God's idea. It's good. It's beautiful. It's for his glory. I believe that your son or daughter that is watching us as husbands, wives, mom and dad, they are learning what a man is or a woman is not by what we say. That's right. By how we live. They are. They are watching dad show what a man is watching mom show what a, a woman of God looks like man that that makes me look in the mirror and go am I showing them a godly view of what God decided men and women should be I hope so we want to thank Dave and Ann Wilson and their team for another edition of Family Life Today although our programs are produced in America The issues facing families like forgiveness, communication and taking care of our kids transcend national borders. These issues profoundly affect relationships everywhere. In Australia, family life is known as power to change and our mission is to effectively develop godly families, the kind of families that change the world one home at a time. A key part of our mission includes strengthening marriages and families all around the world. We want to do whatever we can to bring timeless truths to the challenges you face as you seek to strengthen your family and join us in changing the world. Do you have more questions on how to develop healthy marriages, how to be a better parent, how to make romance and sex work well, or how to grow spiritually? Check out some articles that will help challenge you to move forward well at our website. Go to families.powertochange.org.au for more information. Until tomorrow at the same time, God's richest blessings on your family.